Well, well, well. Another week, another rollicking good time on the So Baseball podcast. Sasha starts out by sharing his joy and wonderment with the Winter Games. Ab chimes in with a Pebble Beach synopsis. Ross bemoans losses by Roma and UCLA. Kevin gives us his critical MLB labor insights. And Dave speaks to a Dodgers ticket representative and is generally hilarious and delightful. Oh yeah, and some Super Bowl preview stuff just for good measure. Enjoy the show! Someone's fired up. Somebody oh, should you should have had that recorded. I know. What have you Maybe been I'll watching? In for... What have you been watching, Sasha? I uh, so I'm a fan of the Olympics, but um, I ski and I'm Swiss, and I I love the Winter Olympics. I just love it, so I'm really excited. A lot of upsets. Cool. A lot of a lot of the top guys going down. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's starting to. I think the 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 skiers are starting to get used to the hill. The men's GS I think was a little bit more traditional um, in who was finishing, but we did have a surprise. An American came in second in the in the GS. Um, so GS is the um, actually it's the Super G. So it's basically the giant slalom. Yeah, yeah, I saw that guy. Yeah, yeah, that was, was good. Great. Yeah, it was great. Um, really, really good stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's great. Been watching that. A lot of uh, short track ice skating, which is really fun. Uh, element of danger to it. Those, those um, blades that they're wearing are razor sharp. So <laughs> yeah, when they love that short track. Yeah, when they fall, they they really try to make sure that they're not hitting other uh, racers because if they do, that you you will literally like slice their their arm or leg off. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Hello, Kevin. Was that the Beatles I heard when you came in? Uh, no, that was Paul McCartney and Wings. Oh, my bad. Nice. I was half right. Did anybody um, watch the hockey last night? I did not. No. I was one watching the, the one of the uh, refs. Speaking of sharp, one of the refs, female ref, got high sticked by an American player. Cut her, woo. cut her face open. She had to leave. And uh, went to went to the locker room, got stitched up, and came back. That's nice. toughness. Yeah, she had a big bandage on her on her face. That's what you love to see. Yeah. Does the NHL have female refs yet? Mm, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Yeah. They gotta they gotta get there. I mean, come on, make this lady the first female ref in the NHL. Well. Those guys are, you know, the, there's no checking in the women. There's not supposed to be checking. They, they bump into each other pretty good, but there's no real checking in women's Olympic hockey. So there's not too many, you know, brawls where you have to separate them. There's some pushing and, you know, but there's no real, you know, fisticuffs. But um, I don't know how the women would do it in the, in the NHL. Because those guys are pretty, you know, out you mean, of control. Do the, do the referees really break up the fights, though, or do they just sort of well, step actually, in once the, somebody... The linesmen, the linesmen yeah. break up the fights. But I right. think this lady might have been a linesman. I'm not sure if she was a linesman or... I think she was a ref. But anyway, yeah, they, yeah. Break, up, they break up the fights. They got to grab the guy. Well, the, 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 I think the standing rule is, is as long as they're standing, they stay out of it. But as soon as one of them goes to ground, that's when they go in. Yeah. And, and it's just safer yeah. for them to do it, and they won't get accidentally hit in the head. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so backing up a sec, um, Sasha, you said um, you said you're Swiss, you're you're half Swiss, which we know, and you have a you have a great tradition of uh, Olympic winter sports. Yes. Um, where where do we stand thus far in the Olympics? What events are underway and what events do we have to look forward to? Well, so right now, I mean, it's like mainly the ones that the U.S. are interested in, right? So there's like slope style skiing, which is basically jumping off a really big ass hill and doing tricks off of it. Mm -hmm. the, the women's was yesterday, so I'm assuming the men's are today. 
That so, was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, New Zealand's first gold medal. New Zealand's uh, first gold medal. Uh, Eileen Gu, who was born in LA, but is uh, is uh, uh, representing China. She won gold yesterday. Okay. Uh, so she was fantastic. And um, let's see, the lots of alpine skiing going on. So uh, the I think the women's GS is. Or, let me be careful with this. The men did the downhill. They did the super G. So I think then their slalom is coming up. And then the women, I think, are doing the opposite. Um, mm -hmm. Kayla Schifrin is, uh, she's, she's in all events. She does all of them. So Dang. slalom is the big one for her. She's really excellent at that. And that's going to happen tomorrow. So Yeah, she crashed the other day. She crashed the other day. And um, the Americans are also doing really good in ice skating. So whether you're into it or not, it's a really Figure hard. skating? I'm sorry, figure skating. It's a really high degree of, of difficulty there. And um, I've always loved the figure skating. Yeah, yeah. The figure skating is, uh, is, is it's great because there's a lot of drama there because just like one screw up and, and it's, it's done. Yeah. And Don't it, you it, think that's so, so penalizing? Like one, one slight screw up after four years of training, you know, you could hit this quadruple jump you know, hundreds of times yeah. and then one small screw up and you're ruined, you know, it's well, so, it's so dramatic, you know, it's not like diving yeah. where you make a little bigger splash than normal. I mean, with this, you go down on the ice and it's right. Cause diving, like, you take a diving, you do a bunch of dives and they take your best score. This yeah. it's one routine, short program, long program. And if you fuck up, boom, no gold medal. Sorry. Well, and, and that's the story of redemption because Nathan Chen, who his first Olympics was four years ago, he screwed up the short program and he never does that. He fell and was immediately out of the competition. And like everything that NBC was doing for the Olympics was geared towards him. The commercials, the, all the stories, because they just thought that he was going to win gold and he screws up like his first individual event is taken out of it. And last night, his short program, he got the highest score ever in a uh, men's nice. program. So he came up, he came when he was done with it. He was pretty excited. <laughs> it was really great because it was four years of just stewing over the one mistake. And, and that's the thing. He ne had never made a mistake like that before the last Olympics. And he's never made a mistake like that after this Olympics until now. Right. So oh, it's just, like, he's like a lot of excellence and it's just, that's the Olympics, which is, makes it so great because it's once every four years, just like mistakes like that, as I just said, is like completely amplified. So it's, it's really fun to watch. Well, thank God there's nothing in my life that is uh, that pressurized to where if I'm, if I screw up, I have no way to fix it because yeah. uh, I don't think I could stand that kind of pressure. No, it's, it's okay. So tell us about what we have to look forward to in week two. Um, so, uh, I, I don't actually know the exact, um, schedule for we do. When does all the, uh, bobsledding and luge and skeleton I mean, and all the going Well, they've down? already had some of that. Yeah. The, or is that the skeleton? No, that's luge, I think. And there's what? a one man bobsled now, right? Yeah. So... I'll look at the schedule here to get, give you more information out here. Here's a good one. But I think that, that you know, it, it just really depends, right? Like hockey is like the whole two weeks. Um, you'll actually see that um, yeah, I'm looking at the schedule right now. So cross-country cross skiing, I think their first day is either today or tomorrow. Um, that goes on for the rest of the time. They did the biathlon already. They finished that today. Mm. Yeah, the biathlon. Well, but there's other events as well, right? So there's there's all sorts of different combinations, men's and women's, different uh, lengths. And then they also do um, uh, relay races as well, which is right. Fun. They got a team thing, don't they? Yeah, they do a team thing. The biathlon one is fantastic because it's just like, I don't know, it's just a weird sport. It's like skiing and then there's guns. <laughs> it's just like Right. <laughs> it's kind of brilliant, right? Kind of like um, a Jason Bourne movie. Yeah. On the run, you're being chased. You've got to stop yeah. and shoot for a second. You know, it's like Matt Damon 
Matt Damon should be out there. I'm sorry, that's James Bond, not. Oh right, my bad. Um, yeah. Let's let's get saw, let's get our order. You'll straight. be interested. Italy Italy won the doubles curling, the mixed doubles curling. So Barbara will be happy about that. Yeah, they were uh, undefeated. Now I want them to do curling on the bobsled track. <laughs> that's incredibly Just dangerous. Send that thing down. Let it fly out. <laughs> It's like a rocket ship. By the time it gets down, it's probably gone like 120 miles an hour. Oh, that thing would it, it, see where it flies off, you know? It's like a cannon. Yeah, yeah I mean, it would just winter, fly off the side. The Winter Olympics should be the only Olympics. Um, the outfits are sexy, um, whether it's the skaters or the skiers or the figure skaters. Like, the outfits are hot. They're mostly spandex. Yeah. Um, you know, it's usually done somewhere um, – high and mountainous although i guess this year they've had to manufacture all the snow am i did i misread that no that's correct yeah they did um but uh, we'll get back to the olympics um another time when we talk about the la olympics and uh all the stuff that's going on with that all the political turmoil to do with the la olympics so baseball (laughs) all right because i I had something i wanted to say about the men's downhill This podcast is a men's downhill. All right. All right. And Ross is in the lead. Check check their podcast feed for UCLA rant by yours truly. Roma, get bounced out of the Coppa Italia by Inter Milan today, 2-0. But Roma had moments of brilliance, but Inter were just too powerful. Lee Dome update, we congratulate Colombia for taking the Caribbean series, uh, underdogs, huge underdogs, knocked off the DR in the final. And finally, Fenwick Hockey defeat Providence to make the semifinals of the Chicago Catholic Hockey League, taking on Benet, or is it Bennett, in the semis. That's your update. Wow, you beat me to that one on Fenwick. Hey, (laughs) how about that? Let's give a small Loyola update. Loyola won Sunday. and Against Missouri State or something? Right. They're playing Drake tomorrow. Okay. And Fenwick is hosting the um, Loyola Project video. That was so cool. I can't wait you to saw watch that. that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, you sent us the email with your Fenwick alumni update, which gave the trailer. a preview. Right. It wasn't gave much the trailer of the trailer. Of the, they gave like the first three minutes of the movie, right? Well, they said it was they were going to give three minutes, but it only went thirty seconds. But anyway, oh, it was fine. No, it's thing. good. It's very, it was a very it cool. was a good teaser, but yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. It was an interesting time when you know you can't believe it was back in '63 that there were no, you know, blacks weren't you know involved in college basketball. I I, I think you've given us so much great information on this podcast of stories that have not getting enough attention well i agree that's one i happen to know just because Loyola was the one well and, and broke ground and your heisman winner uh, oh yeah johnny latner johnny latner <laughs> i mean that I, I started reading up on him and i was like wow this stuff is amazing and of course my all-time favorite the chicago cardinal three um, <laughs> at, at the Peter Pan with the three kids. Nobody, so, will, nobody will have that story. I'm trying. I want to find out who those three players are because I, oh. I want to hear their side of the story. There's no way we could ever remember that. We would have to look. Well, it wouldn't matter. Even if I had the the roster, I wouldn't remember who the hell. No, they were. we'd have to find microfish of the the ad or whatever in the Chicago newspaper. Yeah, that said, hey, come see. <laughs> Yeah, my favorite part of um, my favorite part of that preview was when Jerry Harkness. They showed a little clip of Jerry Harkness on the the TNT broadcast with you know all the guys, the panel, Kenny Smith, and Kenny Smith says something to the effect of, "This is our fathers and our grandfathers who are dealing this. This is not a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago. Um, this is very recent." And uh, yeah. You know, Jerry Harkness. R- see, R-I-P. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. that Got to watch part deeper of the into the preview. I don't think I saw that part either. No. <laughs> like, How did you get that? 
when I when I press on the trailer, it just had a little thirty seconds because you could see the timer on there, and it was just I'll, a thirty second I'll, thing. I'll send you the video clip, and I will post the link in our show notes to this episode, nice. so everybody watching can can go watch the preview for this amazing movie made it was made the actual documentary is narrated by one of the 2019 final four participants on the Loyola team so um there's some continuity there now, now who's ranked higher right now ucla or Loyola? <laughs> well they still have us by a hair i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> we haven't had that strong but i do i was telling ross we did beat arizona state <laughs> And Arizona State beat oh, us last weekend. I know. So, I saw. I was like, oh, I felt so yeah. bad when, when, Ross, when you said that. And then I went and looked at the score. And I was like, was it double overtime? Triple, over- I'll, triple I'll have, overtime. I'll have to listen to your, your rant. Cast. Listen to the rant. you got to listen to your own podcast. Um, no, I have to say, too bad. Loyola has not cracked the top 25, um, mostly just based on strength of schedule. You know, this is their last year and that kind of crap conference no offense ab but um yeah you know they're gonna once they move to the once they move to the atlantic 10 they're gonna have a a much harder road but also their ranking if they continue to play well will reflect that so bruins dropped down to number 12 from number three but we've got stanford tonight hopefully we can uh, exercise some demons try out some new offensive schemes and um you know get get back in the winning winning column and that's on the road, um, right down the farm. We're headed to Stanford. Yep, and uh, that's okay. Could we, run we down there. Maybe I run down there. Speaking Get of the stand, there. speaking of the Stanford area, did anybody watch the Pebble Beach tournament this weekend? I did not. Give us I, an update. Yeah, give us because update. I, Here's the update. Uh, Jordan Spieth was ahead by two with on the back nine, and a journeyman Tom Hoagie who nobody's ever heard of, came from behind, birdied two of the last three holes. Jordan Spieth bogeyed the 17th hole and lost by two shots. But the excitement of the uh, tournament was on Saturday when Jordan Spieth on number eight, which is a hole where you shoot your tee shot up to a plateau and then you have to carry your ball over a huge gully, you know, like a 70-foot, you know, drop gully, mm-hmm. about 200 yards. So Jordan Spieth hits his tee shot, and it lands about five, six inches from the edge of the cliff. Oh, geez. Wow. So his caddy is trying to get him not to play it. You could go look this up and you'll see the video. The caddy is trying to keep him from playing it because it's on a little downslope. So not only is he close to the cliff, but he's on a downslope. And it's not like a gradual cliff where he could tumble down a few yards. It's sheer. So he's doing this for the guy's own personal safety. Right. The caddy is like, no, just take a one-stroke penalty and move back. And Jordan Speed says, no, I think I can I think I can get a club on it. So anyway, even the announcers were a little, you know, nervous about like, I don't think he should hit this. All he had to do was get off balance a little. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you're swinging, you're gonna go forward. I mean, that's how you swing. So he so he gets up there. His foot is right on the freaking edge. I mean, it was pretty dramatic. So oh, wow. he just kind of made, made an arm swing without trying to do too much weight shift. But he had a long shot. It wasn't like a chip shot. I mean, when you see it, you'll see he has to carry this huge gorge. Anyway. Oh, my he, God. Yeah, I'm seeing these photos now. He swings, and after he hits the ball, he kind of just leans back and kind of runs back like you're running back down an uphill, you know. And terrified. uh, When they they interviewed him afterwards, he's like, I should have never done that. Yeah. Well, it wasn't wasn't worth it. And then that that being said, do you think they're going to change the rules where they maybe make a certain 
area of the cliff, just like it's essentially dropped in the ocean. Don't go out there because I saw it too. It was great, but it's just like, yeah, that's really dangerous. Like he, it was like a, a 60 to 80 foot drop. Like Right. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't think they'll change the rule. I mean, I suppose they could do something right there, but. Yeah. I, I mean, golf you... is one of the least dangerous sports we've got. Maybe they should do some things to add a little bit more peril to it. More cliffs? <laughs> cliffs. I say cliffs and alligators. Right. Well, welcome so anyway. aboard, Dave. Thanks for joining us, brother. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Can hey, everybody Dave. hear Dave? Hey, guys. Yeah, yeah I'm here. Cool. Kevin? Okay. Yeah, I can hear him. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> Love the voice. Love to hear the sound. Kevin of Dave. with the deadpan. All right. Well, Dave is now here. here. Missed our. You've missed our um, our uh, kind of news flash updates, uh, and now we can get into the the meat and potatoes of this of this podcast. So super, um, super, so super. Um, L.A., for those of you that aren't living here, L.A. is uh, tangibly excited for this Super Bowl. People are buying their first ever Rams gear. The, <laughs> the, the sidewalks of downtown L.A. are full of people fitting their, their, their little window flags that they had, Laker flags. They're now replacing them with Rams flags for the week. Um, so Dave, are you feeling the same, uh, kind of buzz around the city? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I haven't been out much, uh, this week, unfortunately, um, to, to witness it, but, uh, I can feel it. I, I feel it up here in the, in the Hills. Um, and it's great. You know, I'm excited for Sunday and, it's gonna uh, be exciting. You know, we're going to have, we're going to have binder over Ross might come over. Um, we're going to get some, uh, um, like some artisanal chocolates and we're going to have that <laughs> some, some really high. Well, LA chocolate. is famous for those. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about local fare. Yeah. Now we're going to get some artismal, maybe an artismal burrito might work. Now is, well, it, is know, the rumor, is the rumor true that the, they were limiting, they weren't selling any tickets to anywhere from the Cincinnati area. Is that true or false? that's probably false oh, i don't okay. know all right um because i think that um you know the the super bowl tickets they, they were all gone before the you know the teams were set right i mean wasn't that yes wasn't that kind of how it was they're very corporate very corporate yeah so i looked into trying to get a you know a ticket quickly realized that wasn't going to happen um but um how much were yeah tickets? you know the cheapest one I could find was like, you know, 7,500, something like that. You know, no, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a great time to be in Los Angeles. I mean, this is the entertainment capital of the world. You know, it, it, there's always something going on. And after Sunday, there'll be another fun thing for us to do out here. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, even though we are excited to have our, our Rams in the Super Bowl in our, our hometown, um, you know, we're going to move on after it's over. We're going to move on to the next thing because that's kind of yeah, what we PGA do. Yeah, the PGA is coming to the Riviera. That's the right. PGA is going to be here. Right. The next weekend. They're, and they're having a NASCAR race uh, here think, as well at, at the Coliseum. I think they already did that. They already did that. <laughs> and then we can head out to the desert for a little tennis. You got Oscars yeah. coming. Right. You got the Indian Wells tennis. Yeah. So, yeah, the Oscars. Um, we got Eric Roth. We got, um, we got uh, monster trucks happening at the Big A because there's no baseball there anymore now. Right. Um, so we got that going on. Uh, Are we going to touch on the baseball at all? I mean – Sure. This is a baseball podcast, and I know that, um, you know, the, the players have rejected um, – the players are expected to issue sort of a final, let's save spring training counteroffer today or tomorrow. So um, does anybody have any opinions on sort of where things stand? Yeah. Well, so, I actually – oh, oh Kev, go, go ahead, Dave. first. No, Dave, a, you're, you're, actual, you're – go ahead, Dave. Well, I have a real anecdote because I, I don't know if you guys have talked to anyone from any baseball organizations, but I have. I talked to them today. 
Um, my group sales guy, Bryson, called me from the Dodgers ticket office. And he wanted to know if we were going to be doing our regular event this year. Um, and he was not the least bit concerned about any of this not happening. He said, don't you worry. It's all going to be fine. You pick your game uh, and you bring the kids out, you know, for Dodger night, which we do at the school. Um, well, he's so, a salesman. Know. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust him. I, I wasn't going to no, say that. He's, a, but, he's as know. bad as a freaking used car guy. Yeah. Well, well, but, you know, you follow the money. And the money says that they are still selling these tickets, you of know? Of course. So, well, they're not going to stop selling tickets. Yeah. They're well, not going to cancel. They're going to postpone. Postpone has there's anyone, no refund. Okay. All right. Fair enough. But I just wanted to, to put that, that I've actually talked to someone. Okay. I have a real scoop. Well, there's a scoop from a sale <laughs> ticket sales. <Yeah. laughs> I think uh, that was okay. David right. like three thousand dollars for his package in a yeah. season that did not happen. <laughs> you can still yeah, go. You can still go. There's just no game, but you can go out there to the field. Well, they'll, they'll issue me a, uh, a voucher. Yeah, like they did because uh, this happened before when you know for COVID we had a game that right. we were going to go to. The whole thing got canceled. Um, and they issued me a voucher and I actually used it, uh, just this past year. That's right. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, so here's Kevin, what bit... were you going to say? Oh, oh, Sasha, go ahead. I know you have to here's go. Here's a Sasha. little bit of news that we can talk about is, uh, Trevor Bauer is not going to face criminal charges in LA. This was, Oh, of... wow. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. And now we can talk about baseball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's mean. Well, that's not mean. Um, uh, but no, I think it's really interesting. So I know we had uh, some chats off pod, but so the owners are meeting. They've met today and I think they meet through Thursday in Orlando, I believe. And that's the interesting thing because the owners will be the ones that will give a counter offer next because they haven't done what they said they would do. The players gave an offer, and then all of a sudden, the MLB was like, oh, we're going to bring in the Federals uh, mediator. And, of course, that was rejected because that was out of left field and a total PR stunt. Um, and so now they're waiting to see if the owners actually come around because the, the word on the street is there are some owners who are not – a meter ticket guy knew this – are not in agreement with some of the, the process. And some people are actually suggesting that the reason why MLB went with the mediator thing was more to cover them with their ownership issues. So, um, so it'll be so very the owners are not aligned in their, in their interests, in their, in their uh, lock. No pun well, intended. So do you solid. think, do you think that the the owners now is is this? Do you think it's a small market versus big market thing? Like, who do you think is is wants this to end? Probably the big market teams, right? I think the big market teams have a more vested interest in getting this going on because I don't think they're going to lose or they're not going to gain much from this, right? Like, they're already making tons of money. Why would they want to stop making tons of money? And um, I think the the smaller teams are a little bit more concerned that. Uh, they, because basically, I think the owners like it the way it was, uh, for the most part, and they don't want to make any adjustments to this, uh, you know, three-year arbitration and ownership yeah. of players. And so, I think, I think that's where the the, the smaller teams obviously love that because we can look at our teams that have done that. The A's have successfully done that. Um, you know, they use players. The Rays. The Rays. These are the teams that are playing. These. <laughs> These Bless smaller you. teams Thanks. are playing. These smaller teams are playing the, the game, the hustle a little bit more in terms of manipulating the player's service time to get as much out of these players while they're still cheap, and cool. then discard them when they're too expensive. Whereas you know the big teams are like, fine, we'll pay, we'll pay the, the money. We don't care if it's five years of free agency, five years till free agency or six. Like you know, it's but the raise. If you change that on the raise. Their, their whole business model would be out the door. Right. And so I, I just think that, again, as, as the, the past has played out historically, the players are way more in agreement and way more 
together mm-hmm. than the owners will be. And I think that's what we'll see what comes out of these meetings if they come up with some way. Because basically, they may came, I, I see, I'm very optimistic about the whole thing. I think what could happen is a bridge, like where they, they say, okay, fine, let's just have a deal for a couple years or whatever, and we can work deeper into this. Just let's not, let's not throw everything out right now and create this whole delay. So uh, because that's the reason the lockout was done to prevent the players from having the ammunition of stopping after spring training or stopping the season or stopping the playoffs. You know, when, when the, they, they, they had this big idea that they would stop everything first and try to make some sort of agreement. But there's been real there's been no real negotiations during this time period since December 2nd. So um, it's, 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 it's really kind of confusing what the owner's plan is because it doesn't seem to make any sense. So that's why I really think that there's a bit of a, a disconnect amongst the owners and we'll see what comes out of this meeting. I'd love to be on a fly on a wall and though, and I'm sure we'll get some leaks and rumors and stuff out of these meetings, but um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't even thought that possibly the owners might be uh, having dissent amongst their own ranks, but that does make a ton of sense, what you're saying. Yeah, I, there was interesting, there was some speculation of that the whole mediation thing wasn't, because that kind of came out of left field. That was not, I think everyone was kind of shocked by that because it, it didn't make any sense. Usually you do that after you have like tough negotiations, but there wasn't even tough negotiations. It was just kind of like, uh, back and forth. So some people felt like it was the owners, you know, MLB pushing onto their own owners. So, yeah, um, I mean, this all kind of makes sense. I mean, it, it, it is something, right? Because they never countered with any type of offer whatsoever. No. Right. And it could be just because it's like, shit, we can't even amongst ourselves, like essentially verbalize like what we want from this. <laughs> right. Right. Because, because the mediation thing, it was, it was a non-starter because the, the players were not going to take that. Um, cause they had no reason to, um, there's, there, it made absolutely no sense from, from anyone's standpoint. And then the, you know, the MLB issued this kind of like, Oh, we're going to take this higher ground statement that didn't make any sense either. And no, everyone was just like, what, is, what's going on there? So that's, that's, you know, here we are, hopefully the owners have some disagreements and they go, okay, great. Let's just, let's come up with a short term agreement. Let's put a bandaid on it. And let's not have the full fight right now in this kind of weird, uh, somewhat post-COVID football being as popular as it is right now, uh, period. Do you, so. do you think the players are going to go for that, though? Uh, yes, I do. I think, the, I think, yeah, because I think the players, see, I, I think the players would have just played without a contract. I think they would have just kept playing. They, they weren't the ones, they didn't go on strike. They've been locked out. And I think they would have been more than happy to continue playing without a contract um, because then they would still have the upper hand of, of calling a strike, you know, later in the season if they wanted to, or, and that's kind of where MLB was trying to play against them because that's how they got uh, beat up in 94. But as always, the owners never, they're, they're so short-sighted. They can't even see like the reality and they just get angry. They, that's all they do is they go, and then they, then they go, oh, okay, fine, we'll do this, and you know, and there you go. So we'll see. Well, well, I think that we should take a page out of our government's playbook. Oh, and right. Do do what they do, which is a CR. You know, basically meaning we can't agree on anything, so just keep what's already there. You know, a continuing resolution. I think that's how we get like budgets yes. and stuff. Yeah. Like basically, we're never going to agree. So we just gonna extend what's already there, and then they just do a year of that, and then get through it, and then they go, okay, we'll do it for another year. Well, to, to, Sasha's, to, Sasha's, to Sasha's point, and it is a good point, is that the players are the ones this time around who aren't happy with the kind of the existing contract versus the owners. Um, uh, so it's it is a little interesting of of the, the gamesmanship that's going on here. Um, so yeah, it will be interesting of how, of how we that... see the owners don't want to start the season and it, you know, the owners say, okay, we, we let's carry on with the status quo. We start the season and then the players can start to make some rumblings when playoffs start to right. come around and then the players can threaten a strike 
right when it's the big time for the owners to make most of money. their money in yeah. the postseason, and then it gives the players too much leverage. So that would be the disincentive yeah. to doing that. So, but if they can sign a one-year contract, if everyone can get on board and say, "Hey, look, let's let's just let's do a one-year contract. Let's have a little bit of stuff in here that we agree upon. Maybe it's the DH. Maybe it's something just for one year." And let's let's just table it and have real serious negotiations for the next twelve months. Uh, that you know that that could be. I could see that being some sort of uh, deal coming through. I, I just think in, in baseball's interest overall, it's not to not have baseball starting on time this year. So, and what what again? And I'm sorry, Kev, break it down for me. Yeah. What is the issue here? Why? Who wants what now? So, and Ross can back me up on this. So the, the, what the players, what's happened to the players is this three years of you not having any say as a player, your first three years, they, two, two things, they've kind of manipulated your start time. So they can even stretch that out longer than three years, like over, they can stretch it over, I believe three and a half seasons almost. Um, And they've kind of, the owners have done that because that way, the, the players don't get to arbitration until after three years. So you have a player like uh, the guy for the uh, Alfonso for the Mets who made more money in the home run derby at the All-Star game than he did for his playing. Right. So basically what it right. basically for the first six years of your major league career, um, the first three years you make the minimum. Uh, which is like a a tiered salary. And then the next three years are your arbitration years where you actually go to an independent arbitrator. They look at your stats. The player asks for one figure. The team says, no, you're only getting this. And then the arbitrator decides, okay, this, and, and the teams and the players hate this because it sets, it, 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 it fosters a lot of ill will. So typically the teams will settle each season with their star players before arbitration. So that it doesn't have to get ugly and mudslinging. So that's pretty much what, what they do now. Also um, not to get too deep into the weeds, but there's something called a super two, which is where if a player gets um, enough playing time um, early on, they can get arbitration, you know, after two years. Um, And that, that's sort of like another way that, to, it was supposed to try and keep the teams, uh, the the management and the ownership from from manipulating the players around. But it, what it's ended up happening is they was like, well, keep them keep them down in the minors till April May, so that we make sure that we get that extra year of team control and uh, and so the, the owners keep um, manipulating the the ro- the rosters so mm-hmm. that they keep these guys making the minimum for as long as possible. And the players are like, this is BS. You're, you're holding us back. And then finally, we finally reach free agency after six years. I'm 31 years old. Nobody's going to give me a six-year contract now. I'm lucky if I get a two- or three-year deal. Or if I'm Freddie Freeman, maybe I'll get a, a five-year deal. But um, so the owners are just kind of crafty and they've, they found ways around the things that the players, the unions have in place to protect the players. The, the owners are now, uh, they've, they've found a, a loophole. I mean, so then there's essentially no big payday at the end of this. There used to be, but teams just right. don't want to give that up anymore. Now there are right. some exceptions. Now as a fan, I freaking hate it. Like I do not like want the Red Sox to enter into some vanity agreement with one player for 400 million dollars for 10 years because at some point that is going to be an albatross on your ability to feel a competitive team you know what i mean so right but i understand for the players they're just like well if that's the case and i'm in my 20s and i'm raking and i'm doing really well for this team there is no big payday so like what does that mean so unless i'm a superstar player that is going to be able to get one of those contracts they're not doing that for regular players, right? Right. Just, you look what the Padres did for Tatis. They're like, hey, we want to buy out your arbitration years. We want to buy out, you know, forget all of the stuff. We're going to give you a contract now and start paying you big bucks for the next 14 years. But that only happens for the Tatises. So it's not going to happen for everybody. 
And and then there's also, uh, I mean, I was just looking at the payroll. I mean, there's about 15 to 20 teams who are spending less than $80 million a year on their payroll, right? <laughs> so again, it's just like, you know, unlike like in soccer, like if, if you don't feel a competitive team, you could be relegated. There's no penalty for losing. You're still a major league team. You're still making major league money. Granted, you're not getting a lot of people coming into the stands, but that's not really where you're making a lot of your money anyway. And they get revenue sharing from the big they, 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 they get the luxury tax. Exactly, from, from uh, the, the Yankees and the Red Sox. It's a sweet deal. I only spent $30 million a year. And um, yeah, I'm making money. Like, why would I want to change that? I think it was mostly from the Dodgers and Padres this last year when the Padres <laughs> didn't get their full value, um, you know, since they finished in third. But it's yeah, it's 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 an issue. The other I think the bigger issue for me personally of this whole thing is they use a lot of younger players and they don't keep these veterans around as long. Right. And one of the great things about when I was watching baseball as a kid was seeing these older players who maybe had, you know, pretty decent careers early in life. But now they were, uh, you know, like a, a utility player or a pinch hitter. And a lot of those players are being forced out of the game because no one wants to pay them more money. They'd rather play, pay a younger player uh, to be around. And I think it's affecting the character and the skill of the game. And I, I think so, too. Yeah. And, and the, 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 one of the things, too, is that a lot of these players, and it's, so this is not the owner's or the player's fault, but a lot of players who are coming out of high school and college, they're major league ready players. Like that's also a new phenomenon that just everyone is starting to get used to. Like there's so many people that are coming in and like within the first year, they're becoming superstars. Like that never happened. Like you would spend like, you know, four to five years in the minors before you made it to the major leagues. There's so many players that just, they come out of nowhere and they're fantastic. So again, it just like, that just reinforces the fact, why would I pay Max Scherzer like $30 million a year if I had three of those guys that I had drafted or traded for, I'm going to be competitive for six years. And their salary is $700,000 a year. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. That's still good money, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they need to do for baseball is what they do for two most watched sports, football and basketball. Have the big draft day thing where the guy, you know, First, uh, you know, selected by the Boston Celtics is, you know, so-and-so. Guy comes up, he puts on a hat, you know, he's like, his, he buys his mama house, like, later that night. Like, that's what they need. They need that kind of, you know, like, you're instantly a millionaire. You're feeling great. Everything is good. Um, and then they can get down to playing their game, you know, like, the baseball way where, like oh the number one draft pick in baseball like who even knows who that is like where is he like he's lost he's in a field somewhere like no one can well find him. to answer both of your questions you bring up a good point dave why this will never happen baseball is a game that needs to be learned and at all levels you need to learn and you need to adjust to the level of competition to each next uh whereas a basketball athlete might be ready for the NBA uh, high school players and even most college players need a, a tremendous amount of seasoning of adjustment to to the speed of the game to this the strategy of the game um, to to answer Sasha's question I think Sasha dropped off but Sasha saying that a lot of these players are major league ready at such a young age but one of the reasons that's the case is because the game has sort of been dumbed down um, to just sort of this, you know, power hitting, power pitching uh, kind of slug fest. Whereas 50 years ago, you had to really get that seasoning, learn, learn, like learn every single nuance of the game before you would be brought up um, because it was just a more complex, more strategy driven game. And, uh, and nowadays like, yeah, Juan Soto, I mean, let's not let's not drag Juan Soto through the mud because he's an absolute uh, phenomenon. But um, you know, he he didn't have to learn uh, bunting, hitting, and running uh, every single squeeze play. You know, he he just they just say get up there and do your thing, kid. Like, um, but to some extent, that's also true for the 21, 22 year olds who are coming up. They they are major league ready because all they have to do is hit, 
take their walks, play their position. You know, it's like the game has sort of been simplified in a sense. Yeah, I think it's morphed to to this type of level of play, and that's the. I think that's one of the problems with the game, and why why it's not as exciting because it's become way more station to station, and it's it's just it's just not. And you see it. You see the fielding is a lot less. You see. Uh, a lot of the strategy, a lot of the things are just like balls put in play, dumbed down. Balls yeah. put in play are at an all-time low. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big believer of hit them where they ain't, you know, and and you know, putting the ball in play is one of the most exciting things. The most exciting play is a play at the plate with a guy running to the plate, uh, not a guy hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Um, so, uh, and he trots around. I mean. And, and great that he's got a little special trot when he gets the third or whatever, but that's not exciting as, as like, you know, speed. And is he going to go from first to third? Um, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, and that's part of baseball's number one problem though, overall has always been that the ownership has no idea why people like baseball and they don't, promote the players because they hate the players. They hate the players with a passion because they know the players have them by the strings. Um, They've got them where they want them and they always have, and the owners have always lost to the players. So the owners refuse to do like the NBA and NFL have done very well of equating the stars with the sport and advertising them that way. Baseball has done such a poor job of doing that. That's too bad. That's really too bad. Ab, um, yes, I'm still here. Ab, you've experienced. <laughs> Ab, you've experienced baseball through uh, many decades, um, through the glory days of the '60s with uh, Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays, and the uh, the weirdness of the '70s, um, small ball '80s with the artificial turf. No, I, uh, the- I was not watching the game after. At that, at that point, I kind of given up on the game. But what are your what are your favorite here's my thoughts about the beginning of baseball. The players would stay with one team, the Yankees. You knew who they were every year. Even the Cubs, the White Sox. They all had their, they all had their teams. The guys would stay with their teams. They weren't making that much money. They were making no money basically. Some of them were working in the off season, you know, and. You know, when the when the wages got so high that, you know, these guys would be making, you know, 10, 20 million a year. And even if they got hurt, I mean, I played golf with some guy. I forgot who the hell he was. He was a pitcher for the Mets or somebody. He was still, you know, he was injured and he was out of baseball. And he still had like, you know, eight years where he was getting 10 million a year. And he was retired, you know, so they, they keep paying the guys. They don't do it in any other sports. I don't think any of these football, but don't you think that's a good thing? Uh, No, (laughs) no. So uh, if they get hurt playing baseball, shouldn't they continue to, I mean, isn't that like a nice safety net to say, Hey, you're putting your body on the line for for Arizona. They're not that hurt. Not, they have fucking pay, man. They didn't you get their what? they didn't get their leg blown off. They just you know they got a bad arm now, or they got you know yeah they're no, still, it, they're still it, playing golf. It's a so. it's exactly it's a but it but the reason why that is is because the baseball players union is so strong. They're they're one of the few sports that have guaranteed contracts, um, exactly. and which is amazing because you would think the NFL right where you really you know, not only will you not be able to play the sport, you might not be able to do other things, you know, physically or mentally Um, is it. So, so that, that, that's the the whole encompassing part about where baseball has gone. Cause I I think it's great. Cause I think you were saying Ab, that your first game ever was a double header at Wrigley field. um, Right. Back in the 1950s, right, uh, with Ernie, exactly. Banks, Ernie Banks on the field, I think, right, is yeah, famous for let's play too. So I'm I'm always impressed by that story. Um, and you know, you had basically at that time, 
you teams are dominated by the teams with all the money. So the Yankees used the Kansas City Athletics as a farm club. They would go, hey, we want that guy. He's going to be great. Let's trade for him. Let's give him money. Let's buy him. Um, so the rich got richer. Um, and the interesting thing with the free agency is the free agency thing that came into play in 76 really – for the 77 season kind of it's been a mixed bag over the years. Like it hasn't really, you know, certain teams didn't really get better through free agency and certain teams got better, you know, with certain free agents here and there, or there were teams like the Minnesota twins in the, in the late eighties, nineties that built it up from, you know, and the giants also in, in early, you know, 2010s. So it's, it's an interesting sport that I, I just don't, I think it's it's a lot more mixed than than people give it credit for, um, and it gets polarized way too much. A mix of what? What I... a, a mix a mix of styles and ways to win. Like okay, to, to create a, a winning team, you don't necessarily need money, um, and you and granted, yes, maybe you may just have the usage of a player for six years, and then they move on somewhere else. But even them moving on somewhere else, hello, uh, what's his name, Pujols, doesn't mean anything, you know. Uh, it, it means someone paid a lot of money for someone, and no one's making them offer these contracts. That's the, that's the weird thing about this, and that's why when the whole collusion thing came up in 87, where the owners were like, no, we're not going to give them, we're all going to secretly not give them the money. It's like they just did that to protect themselves from being stupid. Like... <laughs> It's like I, like I, only I, walking into the casino with uh, you it, know three hundred dollars exactly. Like if you don't want to drink, don't go in a bar first, you know. But it was like they couldn't control themselves, and I think that's where I'm always getting at: is these owners just don't get it. They just don't get it, and and I they're agree. the ones who who just like they they create these whole things. I think I texted you guys like last week that. They were doing crazy stuff in the in the 18, 1879. They were trying to sneak ones past the players. So yeah, it's it's a it's a funny thing. I, I think the game itself is is fairly resilient. Um, and even if they try to screw it up, it'll still kind of survive. the The bigger issue is this this whole discussion of why is less people watching baseball versus basketball or football, right? And that's that's a whole other thing. But I, I just, um, I think baseball, you know, gimmicks will not get them to that level. And, and that's why, I th- unfortunately, I think too many people on the owner side love gimmicks. So. I think we should get back to the Super Bowl for the last few minutes. Yes. Yeah. Because we t- totally forgot about it. Because baseball is way better than even the Super Bowl. Like even <laughs> Well, not at the moment, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that. My last thought on baseball before we go to Super Bowl is every professional athlete should be a millionaire. I don't care how you get there, but every professional athlete should be a millionaire. That's how I feel. Well, yeah, yeah if you're but, playing for a team that's should selling they be tickets. A, should they be a 40 millionaire? Well, that's, you know, that's where it's kind of like uh, uh, if when you're watching an NFL game, you figure like, everybody on the field's making a million bucks or more, you know, obviously, you know, Aaron Rodgers making 20 or whatever, but now I find out baseball players, one guy's making two fifty or something. That's not right. No, you know, no. that's baseball's wrong. always been cheap like that. That's awful. And I think that they should fix it. I agree, Dave, raise that minimum salary. And they have been doing a lot for the, for the treatment of minor leaguers as well, because, you know, Six really out of seven players don't even make the majors. They're like they're grinding away in the bus leagues and the dirt fields, and then you know they're out of the game at twenty three, and then right. And then like you look at the quarterback for the uh, uh, for the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray. He got drafted overall by the A's and by the, the you know, and it was like, which sport do you want to go into? And he was like, "Fuck baseball. I'm going to go play." You know, it was right. no, it was a no brainer. Yeah, you get your money he, sooner. He wouldn't money. get to the majors for four or five years. Right, right. So I think they need to fix it. So work on that. Good. All right. Well, on we'll that work note, on that for next week. Let's get back to the Super Bowl. 
Um, we have the Cincinnati Bengals um, rolling into SoFi Stadium, which is a gorgeous freaking stadium, by the way. Um, it looks almost surreal. It looks like uh, the Coliseum of Rome or something. Uh, Dave, you've been inside the stadium for the Rolling Stones. What What's the inside feel of that place? It's a great feel. It's a beautiful building, you know, new facilities, um, you know, just a great, a great energy. Um, and it's, it's a, it's just a, a magnificent building. I mean, I, I don't normally say that kind of thing, but it really is just a, a special uh, place to be. And from the outside, even just walking up to it, you're kind of like something big is going on over there. You know, it's like a weird, literally, it, it looks like a, it's like a spaceship. Um, and it's great. So I would recommend anyone go to it for any reason, Super Bowl or, you know, a concert. And I wish I was going to the damn Super Bowl, but you know, uncle Ross was full of shit. And that was me. <laughs> He got you with that. Oh, Uncle Ross right. sent uh, Dave that. a text, a joke text that, that gave him the prospect of Super Bowl tickets, but it turned out to be a practical joke. Very funny, yeah. Unc. Yeah, he's if really, you're listening. He's really hilarious. He doesn't even yeah. know how to get onto the podcast. Speaking, so, of, yeah, exactly. um, speaking of Uncs, uh, if you're still listening, Uncle Bruce, um, we will be having a special Uncle Bruce episode in two days on Thursday, uh, everyone is invited to join us for that. Um, we're going to get his opinions on uh, whatever he wants to talk about. Oh, um, you better get you better get ready for the Bosa brothers stories. I know. Well, maybe we could do that this Thursday um, because Uncle Bruce is getting a new phone and uh, t- he's 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 upping his game technology wise. So uh, I think Uncle we Bruce, have to be. I think we have to be careful what we put on the air regarding, <laughs> regarding Don't worry, I've some, got the people, some people in Chicago. I think we should consult an attorney and also uh, Marlon Brando. But do they know where we are? Hopefully they can't find us. Uh, they can find us. They'll, they'll find oh, yeah, enough information. That... They'll find us. Yeah, we're yeah Google, they'll but... find us. Uh, no. They know we're in L.A. <laughs> That's there's, not in that, LA. there's not that many Neglias in L.A. That's very true. That's true. very, very true. So um, anyway, although, you know, they got bigger fish to fry than us, but I don't know what Uncle Bruce is going to come up with. So well, well, well luckily, on luckily yeah. no one's going to hear it while we're taping it. It's not live. <laughs> right now. It's not it's live. Not live. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I think I'm going to go with Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> Good oh. segue. <laughs> and here's why it's a year of the tiger oh first of all, interesting because i was looking at as you know my wife nancy was in a mahjong tournament and she scored in one of the higher hands and anyway they sent out the results and on it it had the tiger on the side with with the names of the you know with the names of the winners so when i saw that tiger on there i'm like that's an omen she you know she pulled out this mahjong you know victory and the year of the tiger so that's a good good pick mm-hmm. i'm that's going i'm going with the Bengals. plus here's that's another cool. one dave i saw i met a guy yesterday he was eating lunch with his grandfather-in-law and the guy who I play golf with, his great-grandson was there, and his name was Kingston. Oh, really? And I said, my grandson's name is Kingston. And she said, and I said, there was nobody named Kingston when he was born. And then that actress, and she said, oh, yeah, Gwen Stefani. I said, yeah. She said, that's where I heard the name. And I said, <laughs> your, your son's not named after Gwen Stefani's kid because they got it from my son who's in the TV <laughs> business. And so your kid is really named after my grandson. Exactly. So, yeah. Eat that one. So eat, eat that, that one. There you go. But, 
the father of Kingston had on a Cincinnati Bengals cap. But I didn't get the I didn't get the backstory, but everything is going Cincinnati Bengals. That's true. It's well, just the hitting... original Kingston, you know, the one who lives upstairs from me, um, is a Rams guy. I mean, he's all ramming. He's ramming everything right now. He's ramming his room. He's ramming his car. He's ramming all over town. <laughs> well, he's an L.A. guy. He's an L.A. guy. Exactly. I he should him. be ramming it. He should he, be ramming. Ram, you should see this guy. He's ramming everything he can find. Um, <laughs> he's got the stripe on his car. I know. He's got the he's got the racing. But stripe that's more on of a car. Charger blue. That stripe. It is. It is. But he also supports the Chargers out of love for his his dad. Um, but here's what I think. In all seriousness, picks wise, does experience count for anything? Because if it does, the Rams have the edge. They were in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. The same coach who the first time he was in, he kind of muffed it a little, didn't do a great job. He's going to be ready this time. That guy doesn't want to lose twice. I think the experience of the Rams in the big game is going to carry him over. They've got Von Miller, who has won a couple of Super Bowls. Um, they've got the experience. I love OBJ. Cincinnati. I love the story of Cincinnati, but – you know what? When those bright lights come on, uh, I mean, they do have Joe Burrow, who's won the national championship, so he's fearless. So you got to give him that. But it's not all about one guy. And I think as a team, the Rams have got the experience to win the game. But what about the story of Joe Namath? He didn't have it, the experience either. But yes. he was he was a Joe. He was a <laughs> Joe, and he was. Joe's was, go far. That's yeah. Cool. There's there's been a lot of Joes. Joe Montana. Joe Montana. Yeah. Joe Theismann. Yep. Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. What's the guy's name for the Rams? Joe Namath? Joe Namath. No, the, the Joe Madagots. Don't forget about <laughs> Joe Madagots. <laughs> oh yeah, that's good, Dave. I'm glad you remembered that. Of course, he's my favorite. <laughs> favorite Joe. Well, yeah, I think I, I give the Bengals about a fifteen percent chance of pulling this off. Look at They'd you, have to the play. statistics. I mean, the Bengals were not favored against the Chiefs, but they they played an incredible second half. The Chiefs fro- froze up, and uh, the Bengals carried the day. And I think they're going to need a similar type of uh, of uh, effort and kind of things breaking their way that they got two weeks ago if to pull off an upset and I will call it an upset because I think the Rams are heavy favorites. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going with the Bengals. And the reason being is I was talking to my Bengals ticket salesman today and he was telling me the inside scoop that the pressure is on the Rams. Yes. The Rams have yeah, all the pressure. Sure. And I just, based on how they eked out their win last two weeks ago, whatever it was, I'm still mad about, but not their, you know, not because, you know, it's it fair. They, they lost, Niners lost the game, but I still think, I think the Bengals have something and that's something you can't, they've also got that kicker and that guy doesn't know that he can miss. And, um, and Joe Burrow, you know, again, national championship, all that kind of stuff. They they just he doesn't you know he's coming back from a nasty surgery from last year. They just they're they're living on on charm and um and everyone doesn't think they're going to win. So more reason that they will win. That's a good that's a good case. That's a really good case. I I agree. If it comes down to a kicking, then the Bengals are gonna gonna take it for sure. So who are you going with, crazy. Dave? Me, I'm You're still going, going Rams. Rams. I'm still going, going Rams. Rams. Rossi, what about yeah, you? Yeah, I'm going Rams. I'm I'm caught up in the fever. I'm seeing the I'm seeing the t-shirts all over town. I think they're I think they're just gonna kind of steamroll. Um, Rams going with it, the, Ross going is going eighty five percent t-shirt Rams. strategy. <laughs> it, based on what I'm seeing on Figueroa and Eighth Street downtown okay. LA. Well, yeah, I'm Rams going with the, the Ma- I'm going with the Chinese mahjong strategy. So I guess. The T-shirt strategy is just as good. You're going with the yeah. grandson, the grandson strategy, right? Um, right. If it does the come karma. down to the kicking, though, 
if this if this Super Bowl comes down to someone needs to make a kick, I will just sit back, put my hands back, and just soak it in and say, "This is amazing! Uh, what an amazing finish to what has been an incredible playoffs." Yeah, I don't think totally. it's going to be. I don't think it's going to come down to a kick. I think it's going to be more one-sided. Well, be, we shall see. Yeah, it's going it, Yeah, I we think, shall see. I think it's going to be interesting. I do think there's that whole the Super Bowl is such a crazy game. Like the game within the game of the the coaches kind of losing their their marbles so to speak. And we always see this cuz it just it they get flustered. Right. And the ones That's who don't my, get yeah. flustered um <clears throat> win. And the Rams coach, I've seen that guy get flustered. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But he's been, he's been flustered before. So hopefully he can know not to do it again. Yeah. But the other guy I've never seen flustered because he's never been there. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, right. I'm, I'm going, because if you, if there's a great documentary about that Super Bowl a few years ago when the Rams were playing the Patriots, right? And they got, they got McVay, right? And he's going, oh, wow. Look at that. Look at this. And then they cut to Belichick and he's like, all right, what are we going to do here? Which way is the wind blowing? We're going to go with it. <laughs> yeah. And it was yeah. amazing because it totally encapsulated the personalities of the two that yeah. one was blown away by the Navy jets going overhead and Bilicek was like checking on the wind and which way they wanted the ball and all kinds of other stuff with the dome being opened. It's, it's an amazing little like encapsulate. It's like 90 seconds in this, this documentary, but it was fascinating. That's cool. That's very funny. All um, right, boys. Well, all right. Now. Yeah. Great pod, everyone. This has been Good fun. Times. Good times. And uh, I'm going to get this pod up tonight, and uh, then we'll head, head back with our final pod before the Super Bowl, the Uncle Bruce Spectacular on Thursday. <laughs> so have a great night, everybody. And thanks for, thanks for listening. Thanks, Rossi. Love, Love you guys. Thanks, thanks everyone. Thank you too. Yeah. See you, Ken. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye, Take Dave. Care. Bye. Bye. That's so baseball.